Hi, I'm Tim. And I'm Jenny. And we are. And we are. The Irreverence. The Irreverence. <laughs> I just love how you drag that out. Hey, it's almost Thanksgiving, and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. Oh, yay. I'm thankful that we're doing this again. I know, me too. And I'm thankful for our listeners. And it's great to hear from you. And we have heard from a few folks thanking us for doing it again and saying they're listening. And it's great. So, Jeff, if you are listening in Sweden, we can't wait for you to come back. And Jay. He's in Sweden. And Jen here. And by here, I don't mean on my couch with me, but here. Great to hear from you. So the last Sunday of the church year is always this idea of Christ the King. And this is Christ the King Sunday. And it's a, it's a quirky set of readings um, for a king, but I love it. So how about I read the... Um, and if king you want to follow, though, right? Come on. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into it when we talk about kings and Matthew and, and all that. But I love, love, love this uh, passage from Ezekiel. Then you better read it. I will. And it's Ezekiel 34, verses 11 to 16. And then skipping... Skip. 17, 18, and 19, because I guess that's just not for us to care about. And then starting up again, verses 20 to 24. And I say that just to, rub, be done. just to rub Tim's nose in it, because Tim hates that. Okay. But, you know, I'm okay with it, because I'm kind of, you know, I'm, well, I don't know. I'm not so much a rule follower. But anyway, all right. Ezekiel. Thus says the Lord God. I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As shepherds seek out their flocks when they are among their scattered sheep, so I will seek out my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places to which they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel." by the watercourses, and in all the inhabited parts of the land. I will feed them with good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel shall be their pasture. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and they shall feed on rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with justice. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you pushed with flank and shoulder and butted at all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide, I will save my flock and they shall no longer be ravaged and I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd and I, the Lord, will be their God. 
and my servant David shall be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Okay. So say we all. <laughs> yeah. I love this. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't love so much the, um, but the fat and the strong I will destroy because I'm fat. I don't want to be destroyed, but I am not a sheep. So, I mean, I am a sheep allegorically. But, We're all sheep. Yeah. But, Even um, those who think that they are shepherds are sheep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Here's what I really, okay. there are a few things that I, I love so much about this. I love, because as you say, we are all sheep. I love the way Ezekiel's oracle distinguishes between the sheep who get scattered in the darkness mm-hmm. and those who are budding, pushing with flank and shoulder and budding at all the weak animals. I don't know how bad this is in the, in the animal world. This is just survival of the fittest. But in the human world, we are not supposed to be living in the world of survival of the fittest. We are supposed to be loving our neighbor and caring for our neighbor. And this picture that you can just really imagine of like the big, strong animals butting the others out and keeping them from getting the food so captures human nature and the rich and the powerful for whom the fact that they're already rich and powerful isn't enough. They have to keep others out. I just love $800 million. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, what do you do with that? I, I recognize that Joe and I are in the top, I don't know, 2% or something in the world. We live in a, in the U S and we own a, own a house and we have cars and we have good salaries and we have great healthcare. And that puts us as the rich elite and unaware I am butting out other people just by how much I consume. But I didn't want to go there yet because I wanted to sit here in my righteous indignation for a minute, Tim, if you'll let me. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> sit in your righteous indignation. Sorry. Let me Steve get a back. Billion years. Hold my $800 billion. Jerks. Well, I don't have $800 billion. I don't even have a billion. Well, no. I, but, but, you know, certain people who are constantly putting themselves in the news do. And that's like $800 well, billion that other people can't have then. You know? Well, so. And it's so much control. But I love this moment. I will feed them with justice. Like they are trying to be fed with the food of the meager, the, the, the weak sheep. They want to steal that food. That's what they want. But God's going to feed them with justice. And I love that. And Granted, it feeds my righteous indignation, but I, I mean, I am well aware that I'm, I'm a hypocrite and all those things, but I still love, not because I think other people are going to be punished, but because I think God's justice is so right that I just love these moments. I love these visual metaphors and I know it's not going to be easy for me either you know, someday I'm going to have to account for all the ways in which I've intentionally or unintentionally consciously hurt people, but then also all the ways that I have contributed to systems that oppress and exploit. Yeah. But I still, yeah. notwithstanding all of that, I cast my lot with God 
and God's justice. And not because I think God will smite my enemies, but because I trust that justice to put things right. And I just love this, love this passage. So there now, I will stop butting you out of all the airtime. No, I was off. Let the record reflect. I am not a skinny sheep either. So, you know. <laughs> One of us have any trouble making our way to the, uh, to the no. feet. People, people tend to get out of my way when I'm walking through. I'm a, I'm a big dude. So I try to use it for good and not evil, but you yes. know, sometimes right. I just am completely oblivious. And, right. You know, one thing I find kind of interesting, but toward the end and I, the Lord will be their God and I, the Lord have spoken. There is God using God's own name and, it, and identifying God's self with the sheep. I will be their God. And I have spoken. That's just you can almost feel the earth shuddering at that. It's so beautiful and terrifying, both. Yeah, indeed. I know I've been awful myself about Ezekiel. Anything, anything you want to say about like how this strikes you as the only one of the two of us who's actually been a shepherd? Oh, uh, my favorite part is where, where God says, I myself will be the shepherd of the sheep and I'll make them lie down, says the Lord God. Um, how do you make a sheep lie down? Oh, uh, you just. Tip it? Keep them rounded up until they until they eventually do. You don't tip them over. <laughs> you have to, you have to, you have to. You know, it helps. It helps to have a good sheepdog at this point because they will just go everybody. A good sheepdog will circle and keep them all packed in. And once they understand that they're safe and in the herd, they will eventually lay down. Oh, so they have to feel safe. Well, I mean, of course, I think yeah, all they have them. to feel safe to lay down. Right. So when God yeah. says, "I will make them lay down." As a mom of children who sometimes didn't want to go to bed, I am picturing <laughs> them over. <laughs> You're driving me crazy. Yes, I am picturing that toddler standing up in the crib, like. Uh, Where did your pajamas go? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's what I'm picturing. But instead, this is really, really beautiful. That once they have, to be, they, together, they have to be enfolded in safety to to lay down. That's. Oh, and, and in the group and in right and in community. Yeah. Oh, cause here I'm picturing each sheep one-on-one, -on -one, but that's not how they lie down. Oh, no. That is so beautiful, Tim. Safe and, you know, oh. well-fed and together. Oh, I mean, the other, the other truth is getting back to like the shepherd correcting sheep. If you have one that's really rambunctious, you actually hobble it so it can't hurt the other sheep. Yeah, you you talked about hobbling sheep another time, too. So. What's important for us to make sure we say is God does not hobble. God doesn't send difficulties our way, I don't think, in order to hobble us. I think bad things just happen. And... I don't think, you know, there's just so much just sort of colloquial understanding of, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle, or someday you'll understand these hard things that happen to you. I don't actually think that's God's efforts to hobble us so that we share. Um, I think, or I think that bad we, things happen and God will make things good, good come out of it, you know, yes. if you work with God on yes, it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there's, we live in a system of chaos that is... 
Yeah, we live in a wilderness. Yeah, we live in a wilderness of chaos where if we would accept the shepherding, we would as a body be safe and have enough. Mm -hmm. We don't want to accept the shepherding, which is, I think, one of the beautiful, beautiful things of why this is a story for Christ the King Sunday. This shepherd, this king, is interested in justice and in protecting the weak from the um, power moves of the strong. And that, to me, is just incredibly beautiful. That's like when I say, I, I cast my lot with God's justice. That's the kind of king, that's the kind of shepherd, that even when it ends up hurting me or or something, I still just believe wholeheartedly in that mission. Um, it's beautiful. Well, let's, let's segue to then that's a, that's a easy segue to the, uh, the gospel lesson, the gospel, which you, the the good news of the gospel today that, uh, let the record reflect him just good news in quotes with his fingers, finger air quotes. I'm just going to say this is singularly the most terrifying passage in all of scripture to me. So that is, so, I can't wait to talk about it. All right, bring it. Can't wait to talk about it. Matthew 25 verses 31 to 46. Jesus said, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it when we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly, I tell you, just as you did it for one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, you that are accursed. Depart from me into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, Lord, when was it? that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you. Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And here ends the terrifying lesson. We, I know we've been talking a lot these last weeks because Matthew's getting more and more angry as we get to the end of Matthew's gospel. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it is at the end, right? So yeah. this, well, this is, the, this is and, Jesus' last, like, 
public sermon, really, right? So, well, and earlier on, it was cast you into the place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, and then it was outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, and well, now. Like now it's the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So he's getting more and more cranky and burning the chat. We have said, we, we have said repeatedly, I don't believe that anyone ends up in an eternal fire. Um, I just don't believe that. I believe this is hyperbole. And and perhaps we should say something about to understand the context of this gospel. Um, that Matthew's gospel, again, sort of basic Bible 101. Um, we call it Matthew's gospel as if a man named Matthew wrote it. But what we know is that it was written in a community that surrounded themselves around the apostle Matthew. And, right. and so it was probably developed over a, a period of, of time. It wasn't like sat. So nobody sat down no, and wrote like, it beginning to end. Yeah. Somewhere around, somewhere around 50 years of processing and, all these things. And what's happening at the time is Matthew is writing to a largely Jewish or formerly Jewish audience, right? Still Jewish, but um, also Christ followers. And they are, um, the Jewish people are beginning, the religious leaders are beginning to really claim that these Jesus followers are not Jewish. And there's, right. there's a lot of important things that come from that. So the Roman Empire allowed Judaism to exist as its own religion because it Which was is so what ancient. Rome did anywhere anywhere it went because it was it was a convenient way to maintain the population. Well, and processes. It had um, some real ancient heft to it, and it was a pretty small community. Yeah. The minute the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders, begin to say, "Oh, those Jesus followers." those people are not Jewish, then the Roman Empire is like, all right, then you need to be worshiping Caesar. So there were yeah. real terrible repercussions. And, and the, the Matthew gospel was written at a time when this is starting to happen. And so and, when I was and very, Senate, very soon after the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem oh. too, is when, you know, so like that adds a whole nother context to all this because Judaism itself was trying to figure out what it is without a temple to worship at any longer right. because Rome destroyed it. And then they built a, another smaller Roman temple on top of it to kind of prove the point, you know? So and, it just, you know, you have all these things, things working out and all of a sudden, instead of this, um, you know, the, the word is cult, right? But we don't mean it in the way that we mean right. it in the modern sense with a bunch of weird, right. weirdos wearing, you know, strange outfits and making I you give up all your money and freedom. Yeah. But the, the, the temple cult, the practices around sacrifice and everything that were central to the Jewish identity, particularly with like Passover and everything like no longer available to them. So you have to work out how to be Jewish in a new context, which is what became what we have in terms of modern Judaism with the synagogue. And the teaching so, as opposed to yeah. the, the, the sacrifice. 
teaching, yeah, the teaching and the practices of home, um, you know, home spirituality. So the practicing of the Passover meal and those sorts of things. Um, the candles and singing the song and yeah, so, all that stuff that is central to Judaism. So part of what I get is sort of from a big picture scenario of Matthew's gospel is Matthew getting madder and madder reflects the tension growing and growing and the high, high stakes growing within the community of who are we and our temple's been destroyed and desecrated. And, and then the Jewish leaders and Jewish people themselves really in conflict about, well, was this Jesus a Messiah or not? And if he was, then why was the temple destroyed? Like, what does any of this mean? So I think we can sort of hovering above Matthew's gospel a little. Um, I could be just rationalizing this, so I could be wrong. But I do think some of the hyperbole is reflective of the time when he's writing. And the um, it's like the book of Revelation in the sense of um, a lot of those metaphors are as dramatic and bloody as they are to reflect what's going on in, in the life of the community at the time and matching. Um, and you don't just want to match the level of what's going on out in the community. You want to exceed it. So, so all of that is to say that I don't believe there's an eternal lake of fire. And this is one of the places where we're told there is an eternal lake of fire and, and some goats, not, not some goats heading out there. Um, the bad goats. It's kind of funny considering in our current society, we consider goat to be a great thing. Greatest of all well, time. There's goat yoga. But, Nobody's got sheep yoga. Um, yeah, goat yoga. These must oh, be the goats. You know that how much sheep poop? I wouldn't want a sheep on my back. I have fed goats. And of they're goat adorable. Poops and, but I love sheep. They're adorable. They're also, they'll also steal everything out of your pocket if you're not paying attention. Oh, my God. Um, they're dirty little thieves, goats. So maybe that's why they get, maybe that's why they get. Maybe. Yeah, I was like, nervous. I don't know. Okay. So, first of all, I reject the idea that humanity humans are separated into groups that are going to be going into an eternal lake of fire. Um, and, and, and you and I come down in a slightly different place on this, where right. I believe that these things actually could happen, but you still have the choice. Yeah. Maybe even I, after death. There, there is real validity. In both. in both cases, I would say that you and I are universalists, you know, yeah. um, and you, but, and your idea, but I still, I still think that there's, there's, a, there's the option for choosing badly. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't, I think I rely on the assertion that all things ultimately get reconciled into God. Um, but anyway, let's, Yeah. but I hear you and I, I love that. But I also think that if you are somebody who believes that there's an eternal fire, and some people go there. I think it's not us that get to do the choosing. And part oh, no. of it, and part of but these, you, you can you can choose whether or not to accept is, is what I'm well, what I'm saying, right? So and also what and, these stories and you have all these people who choose something else in this particular parable. Yes. Well, and 
And what's fascinating is in the, in the Ezekiel story, they are just looking out for themselves. In this mm-hmm. story, it's, they ha- they're, they're oblivious to it. They don't know they're doing anything. It's a difference. Oh, God, which, it's so powerful. speaks a little bit more about our society than, than the Ezekiel story, I think, because there's just, you know, honestly, a lot of us are just oblivious unless you're confronted with it. Right. Day in and day out. But, like, there's a ton of homeless people who live in the park underneath yeah. my, you know, underneath my church. Not underneath my church, but, like, below going down to the water line. And, you know, so it's it's just always there, present. If this wasn't a problem in Jesus's day, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have had to say this. I love this again of God identifying God's own self with the sick and the poor and the imprisoned and the hungry. I mean, if you're going to take the Bible literally, you better take this part too. Yeah. It's so powerful. And I, I absolutely know that I sometimes walk by somebody who's homeless. I don't visit the sick. I haven't been inside of a jail or prison and ex- except for that time I was arrested um, with the Poor People's Campaign, it's been since I practiced law that I have been inside a jail. So I am subject to being thrown in that lake of fire myself. But again, I cast my lot with a king who's... Cast his lot with the least of these? Yeah. I mean... Yeah. I know that I'm not the least of these. No, but, but they're before the grace of God, you know, like it doesn't take much. I mean, one of the things that when you, when you actually stop and and more than anything else, you know, this is a call to just acknowledge the humanity of people. Like if you don't have a buck to to give them, which I often don't, you know, like the, the church budget is always strapped and, you know, I, uh, I don't always have my own money on me and everything else. And well, none of us just being able to stop and say, Hey, you know, Hey, how, how are, how are you today? Right. Well, listening. It reminds us, as you say, the, the basic humanity, but it's not just basic humanity. It's God's image. And God is claiming, you know, the book of Genesis tells Mm. us we are made in the image of God. And then here we have, God identify reinforcing that Jesus says, I myself am that person. And that is just powerful. And lots of people who do work with the people who are really at the extremes of economic oppression, find those encounters really meaningful now, let me not paint a rosy picture of it. They are not always meaningful. Um, and they're not easy. And in fact, they're often not easy. And and very often I don't have anything to give. And even when I say, hey, how are you? It's not like we have this hallmark moment. But still, but still trying. Yeah. And I was talking with our associate rector, Laura. Laura grew up in Trinidad where... Or her, her, then she moved to New York to Hell's Kitchen at some point. But um, she grew up in Trinidad where they were subject to a sovereign. And so she's got some experience with the idea of what being subjects of a sovereign meant. And 
as Americans, we don't. And in fact, our sort of basic, like sort of cultural touchstone for sovereignty is that you throw that stuff off, right? Yeah. Take that right out, fight it. Yes. And, and Laura invited me instead to think about this idea of what it would be like to accept the leadership of a sovereign. And that was a really powerful question for me. And that's why I've used the phrase cast my lot with like, it, it implies a lot of things. It implies giving over some kind of freedom pledging some sort of treasure too. Yeah. Like what would that fealty look like? And what does it cost? Yeah. Some of what it costs, Tim, is my own pride at thinking that everything I am is from my own hand. If we have a sovereign, everything belongs to the sovereign. And this is part of what we threw off as Americans, right? But Wow. <laughs> like, first of all, our just mm-hmm. instinct is to buck that. Yeah. But, um, but the absolute truth is that God is sovereign and all things are God's, even our very lives, well, which and really grates on us. Yes. We don't, it's one of those things we just don't, we just reject. We reject it by indifference, by just ignoring it. And it is a doctrine of the church it's not just a doctrine of the church. It is here in the Bible. And it is the reality. The of, right. Right. All things come of thee, O Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. And we don't live that way. And no. so what would it be like to actually think of God as sovereign. And I'm using that word intentionally instead of king. It's true. We don't have many, even literary, literary models. We just don't have many models of this kind of king. Well, you know, you have, you, have, you have good kings in the past that, you know, you have the hagiography of like yesterday's saint was King Edmund. Um, well, and you was, uh, did some pretty, pretty good things for people. So, well, and you, you, you brought us last week to remind us about, um, who was it? Josiah? King Josiah who restored the, the temple cult. Yeah. Yep. So it's not like there are no models, but we chafe against it. And this day, Christ the King Sunday, is an invitation to, to allow ourselves to recognize that we actually are subjects of a sovereign. Opportunity but to reorient. Yeah. And This is the kind of sovereign, though. We have the kind of king who is worried about the poor. And not like that means he doesn't, he hates us. But if if you have a king who's looking out for the poor, then you can all lay down together. And that's beautiful. But it is a challenge, man, to... To to go against our American upbringing? Yeah. Anyway. So let's do Electio. I think it's your turn to pick. Let's do it. It is. And the king will answer them. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it for one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. And the king will answer them. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. One last time. 
And the kingdom will answer the kingdom. And the king will answer them. Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Stands out to you. What sticks out to me is who are members of my family. And of course. Me too. Totally. This time. uh, That probably came through in my emphasis, my emphasis. No, it just really sticks out. It just sticks out when you read it. Um, And not all the versions of this story have the who are members of my family. But again, Matthew comes from this perspective where who's a member of the family and who's not is really important. I just chafe at that. But then again, I guess I can counter that with thinking of all the sheep laying down together, which is what God's project is really about. Mm-hmm. In and, peace. Well sated and safe. Yeah. Yeah. Who's a member of God's family? You know, that's also interesting to think that even in God's family, there are people who are hungry. Yeah, as Jesus said, the poor you'll always have with you. But that wasn't yeah. a command. Right. Well, just an acknowledgement. yeah, let's just make that clear. Um, but maybe it, I don't, I, I phrased it the exact reverse way. It's not that God's family still includes people who are hungry. It's that people who are hungry are incorporated into God's family. God wraps right, God's arms outside. around them. I said that exactly right. the opposite way. What's your, what does all of this um, call you who does this call you to bless, or what is your prayer that arises from, from this? I'm thinking about, you know, the the souls in my cure who are homeless. Of Lyle, Cricket, and Jimmy, and a whole bunch of other people that live in the rough. And um, I'm, I'm particularly mindful of them right now with the weather turning cold. Yeah. Um, and so my, my prayer is that they, they do find winter shelter and, you know, that we can rise to meet some things that the parish has hitherto somewhat ignored, but I'm trying to bring up. So if everybody can join me in my prayer for a small conversion of heart, I would appreciate that. That's no small conversion of heart, Tim. It's all of us, right? Yeah. You? So my blessing is for those who who do see and stop and feed Mm. and gather, collect coats they find at thrift stores or and wash them and share them. Um my blessing is for them that you may not feel seen and you may do this work and no one knows that you carry granola bars or um, $5 bills in your pocket or whatever you do, but you are seen and bless you. Yeah, you are Loving God's own self when you do that. So, yay. And may we all be that. Amen. Yeah. Woo. Sorry I was up on my high horse today. 
I'm always up on my high horse. What am I saying? Up in your high sheep. <laughs> Not so high. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And happy Thanksgiving. Anyway, uh, on, follow us. You're bravo. On, um, where you get your podcasts, look for the irreverence and uh, give us a rate, rate us highly. We hope you like it, but a rating will help other people find us. So thanks for listening. And we'll Bye everybody. See you next week. Bye. <laughs>